0: Hi, it's Jeff, host of the podcast. Imagine a world where planning your books is as fun as writing them, where plotters plot in heroic harmony and pantsers organize without overwhelm. Here's the thing, that world exists. Plotters and pantsers alike love the visual outlining and story Bible software Plotter now available both online and as a web app name the number one outlining app for productivity by Kindlepreneur plotter turns outlining and organizing your books into the creative process it's supposed to visit plotter.com/rw today that's p l o t t r.com/rw today and experience the difference yourself. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is bestselling writer Jane Ann Krentz. Krentz's many books have sold more than 32 million copies, and she's been on the New York Times bestseller list more than 30 times. Krentz's latest novel is Sleep No More, which is the first novel of the Lost Night Files. Bookless wrote about the novel with her usual impeccable sense of a plum, Kritz deftly begins her new Lost Night trilogy with a flawlessly paced plot that is both timely and timeless. Jane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your brand new book, Sleep No More, how would you describe the novel?
1: I write romantic suspense with a psychic twist and the psychic twist. I just want to emphasize is not what most people think of as paranormal. No witches or vampires are involved. This is, <laughs> this is that psychic step one step beyond intuition kind of suspense. The characters all had a night of amnesia. They lost a the night. They're now trying to find out what happened during that lost night because when they woke up, they woke up with psychic powers and naturally they started a podcast called the lost night files to investigate <laughs> other cases like theirs and try and find out what happened to them is in essence, they're using the podcast to solve their own cold case.
0: I'm curious, given that, given that plot point, do you listen to many true crime um, or psychic podcasts yourself?
1: No, <laughs> I, I, when I listen to podcasts, it's usually, you know, for factual information or or um, like one of, some of the bookstores have interesting podcasts with their authors, visiting authors, things like that. But I'm afraid I have not gotten into the uh, the true crime thing. I am a big fan of uh, murders in the building, only murders in the building.
0: Hmm. That's great. Well, I'm curious, do you remember the initial idea or impetus that led you to write Sleep No More?
1: Well, I always like to plot with a psychic vibe, so that's kind of inherent in my storytelling. I just love that element. But the other thing going on with this story that is always intriguing, I think, for a lot of readers is amnesia. What did I forget, and more importantly, why did I forget it, and how do I find out what happened to me during those missing 24 hours? And I just find that a fascinating um, plot element. And and I'm I'm curious given your prolific
0: career and the number of novels that you've written um I wonder if we could talk about the idea process for you um do you keep a list of ideas uh potential ideas for future novels and are you starting to think about the next novel as you're writing or finishing um writing your current novel how does that process work for you
1: Uh well the short answer is I can't walk and chew gum at the same time so <laughs> no I'm I'm not thinking about the next book. I'm not stockpiling ideas. I would if I could. But when I am writing, I am totally immersed in that world, in that story, those characters. And I literally cannot think of anything else. I don't want to think of anything else. Put it that mm-hmm. way. So I, um, I am focused on getting to know the characters. Part of my problem as a writer and I, I would change it if I could is that I'm not very good at Figuring out where I'm going to go until I get there. I'm what in the trade is often called a pantster, which means I write by the seat of my pants a lot. The problem with that, of course, is that I never know where I'm going the next day. And the secondary issue, the real issue, is I don't get my best ideas up front. I get them in process of writing. I guess create for me creativity generates creativity. I, Mm-hmm. So all those good ideas that end up in the book are good ideas that I thought were good ideas, sadly, were not there at the start. When I could have made a nice outline and just gotten up every morning, knowing exactly where I'm going, write that chapter, and then move on the next day. That would be a great way to write. I can't do it. So we'll, we'll, I'm kind of stuck with this process of stumbling into the good ideas and then going back and rewriting. I was
0: I was going to ask that given what you just described, do you do you find that later in the novel as you're writing it, as you're as you're, um, uh, I guess, coming up with with ideas that inform the novel and the characters in the plot? Do you find yourself going back and and weaving in info that that will pay off, so to speak?
1: Yes, it's 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 a matter of discovery. And every time you discover something, that changes something up front from eight but in the end when i find, when i finally do get to the end um, there's there's a sense of knowing that okay this is it this is the book and i can walk away from it at that i can I, I can see it all in a clear vision in my mind i'm happy and walk away from it at that point and then i can start thinking about the next book
0: sure and and what's that process like for you do you take a couple of weeks that you're thinking about the new book before you yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's there's a, a time frame there. I need to recover from <laughs> from, from the uh the trauma of writing the, the one before it. The problem is, even though I've been doing this a long time and some things get easier in terms of knowing what to do next. Problem is actual writing doesn't get easier. If anything, it's just getting harder. And I think it's because I'm trying to find a new story for myself. I write I write first for myself and then I just have to hope that there's an audience that can jump into the fantasy with me but I can't write for that audience if you know what I mean I can only write mm-hmm. for myself and hope that there are other people who enjoy the same fantasy and there will be those who don't learn to live with that
0: <laughs> Well well I'm curious um given what you just described in terms of your process uh, as as you said the 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 term pantser, Do you ever find yourself uh, riding your way down a dead end, and you have to 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 throw some out and go back and and start from a from you know a couple of chapters before? What does that happen to you?
1: Yeah, that happens. It's more likely though that I'm going to find out I need characters I didn't know I needed going in that I didn't allow for other stuff. To happen if other characters to come on board and be important. Um, that's, that's the toughest. It's physically, it's kind of the hardest part of the writing process because then you have to go back and weave in a character that was never there at the beginning and you weren't even thinking about it at the beginning. Hmm. Um, so, so technically, I guess that's the hardest part of the process, but that's the more likely thing. I'll, I'll wind up in a corner and realize I need something else. And that usually involves another person, another character. Interesting. Well, I'm curious, and I guess this is a little
0: bit related to to what you were talking about in terms of um, uh, it not getting any easier. I'm I'm curious, given the success of your writing career, does that success ever kind of enter your mind when you're sitting down to start a new novel? Do you feel pressure either from yourself or publishers or agents?
1: The pressure is always there, but I don't think it's a whole lot different now than it was back at the start i mean once you once you start getting published you're under pressure it's just you put it on yourself and if the books are successful the publisher is going to put it on you so i don't i think it's just a, a necessary part of the business and it's probably a source of energy to a certain extent i guess it can knock you flat but mostly it's just that adds that element of nervous energy that sometimes you need to have that second cup of coffee and go into the office in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, can you take us back
0: to your initial writing journey? I've, I've read that you wrote and submitted novels for six years before your first novel was accepted for publication. What led you initially to sit down and start writing your first story, or your first novel?
1: Well, it was not because I thought I could do it better than anybody else. That's for dang sure. <laughs> it was I had always read fiction. I had always leaned toward thrillers, and, but with a romantic element. That was always my favorite to read. And there came a time when I just wanted to tell the story my way. Like I said, I didn't think I could do it better than anybody. I just wanted my issues, my characters, my my ending. (laughs) Um, I've always said that authors, I've always said, in recent years, it has come to me that that it behooves an author early on, and the, the sooner you get into this in your career, the better, the more useful I think they will find it to identify their core story. And the core story is not the plot. Yes, I write romantic suspense, but that I don't consider that my core story. My core story consists of the the emotional themes and conflicts that compel me as a writer. That's what I'm really, that's what draws me into the story. That's what I want to resolve. And so I would say that my core story involves trust and reinvention. Even if I look back at the start of my career when I had no concept of core story, I can see those elements at play and I have spent my career exploring them. All of my characters are dealing with issues of trust. I think trust is the biggest risk humans take, and we take it every day so we can all relate to it. And all of my characters are in the process of reinventing themselves. Something has brought their world crashing down. Now they're going to have to find a new path. Those two elements I love to work with, I my power from those two elements. Yes, I can bring in other things going on and other emotional themes, but those two will be at the core of the relationship and at the core of the plot. And I think that my, my my one little tip of advice to anybody out there listening is that it behooves you to think of that because it sets you free as a writer. You realize that those themes that you like to work with are universals, and you can take them into any genre. And when you hit a wall, and sooner or later in this business, you will hit a wall, uh, you realize you're not trapped in that particular genre. That's, That's interesting advice. That, Save big
0: money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For all the great deals happening now. And and I'm curious, what do you do you think that that's what you were you were learning, or what do you think you were learning during those six years as you were um working towards publication?
1: Okay, first of all, we need to step back in time because during those six years, this is this is not to age myself, but mm-hmm. in those days there was no self publishing option. Sure, had been, I would have jumped on it, but the only route to publishing was through the traditional publishing work. And that's just a crapshoot. I mean, it's a it's a tough world to get into. It's most of the time it's sheer blind luck and you just keep throwing spaghetti at the wall until some agent or some editor looked at it. And in those days, I think a lot of people didn't see in the, in the publishing world didn't see a big market for romantic suspense. Just, you know, it's not selling, so therefore, yes, it's not selling. <laughs> Because you're not buying books to try to see if that market exists. So I think that that, what happened for me was I was standing on the right street corner when the bus came by, when that market finally opened up and I was there. And it was such an element of luck involved. These days, I would suggest writers not wait, go ahead and do the query thing and try for the traditional thing. But um i'd, I'd have to be all over the indie publishing thing at the same time i'll tell you
0: i was i I had actually i was going to ask you that like if, yeah. if if you were starting now do you think that you would go the indie route
1: yeah and here's the main reason why even if you don't sell a lot of books that way you will learn a lot because this is one self-taught craft you learn writing by writing i swear um Yes, you can take classes and yes, they're useful. And I, I encourage people to get a handle on, on classroom, you know, find a class that will help you, but ultimately you're going to teach yourself to write by sitting down and doing it. And that six years, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about making the story coherent. I learned a lot about pacing, um, timing, um, Basic stuff like that. And I learned a lot about my strengths and weaknesses. One of the things I learned early on was that I'm dialogue-driven writer, not a narrative-driven writer. I, I hear the story in my head. I hear the characters talking, and they tell me the story. Other writers see it like a film. It's, they're very visually oriented. I'm not. So for me, the story comes in the term of dia- in the form of dialogue from my characters, and that makes me what I call a dialogue-driven storyteller, but you got to do both. <laughs> I, I would just like to take this uh, moment for a PSA, a public service announcement. Anybody out there reading my books, if you come to a paragraph or two of description, I would really appreciate it if you slowed down and read it slowly, because it took me a long time to write <laughs> when i when i hit the dialogue i'm flying
0: that's that's great Mar- narrative is painful well i know that that um in the past you you've contributed and you've written some uh, non-fiction and some essays about um specifically romance fiction and i'm i'm curious if given you know your your uh successful career and all the writing that you've done and and all the bestsellers. Um, if you've given um what your current thoughts are on kind of genre fiction and commercial fiction and the appeal of of genre fiction
1: well I've always felt that genre fiction never never got no respect <laughs> it doesn't get the respect it deserves and as opposed to what we like to call literary fiction, which in my mind is another genre, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> My point is that this kind of storytelling that we associate with genre like westerns and romance and romantic suspense and thrillers and, uh, you know, when you see it, Um, that kind of storytelling has value, but it has gone unrecognized simply because there's so much of it. And human nature kind of poo-poo anything that's there's too much of. (laughs) Who cares about, you know, why I respect this? There's plenty more where that came from. But. It's in classic genre fiction that our culture transmits and reaffirms its core values and its core uh, virtues. And that's why it's so important, and that's why we keep doing it, and that's why we keep going back to it. We all know what a hero is supposed to do when the chips are down. It doesn't matter how. Whether he's a drunken alcoholic like a lot of the P.I.s were, you know, in the old story, the, the noir mystery features mm-hmm. the P.I. with the bottle of booze in the drawer. It doesn't matter how many mistakes people have made. In genre fiction, when the chips are down, we know that a hero is supposed to do the right thing. Take the risk. Save the innocent. Uphold. Justice. Virtue. Honor. And that concept of honor is really really inherent in successful genre fiction we don't talk about it a lot as a society anymore but man it's there in the books sure sure
0: that, that's uh, a very interesting and valid point um i'm curious what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels
1: aside from know your core story which I exactly think is, mm-hmm. yeah choose your lane. Do not waste a lot of time trying to write in a lot of different genres. You probably know the genre that you prefer already because it's probably what you read. And and start there. What am I reading? What do I want to write? And it's probably going to fit within the genres that you love. But you want to be careful about trying to do the bold thing and genre bending or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it uh incorporating incorporating too many uh elements from another genre into the one you've chosen because readers choose a genre for a reason and they don't all respond to blending those genres they don't want to see it blended They're, if they want to read a thriller they want a thriller they don't necessarily want science fiction elements or horror elements or romance elements thrown in um The cozy mystery is a classic genre. You, you you have to know the territory to be successful in that. It is not a romance with a mystery going on. It is something else entirely. And you have to, you intuitively have to understand that. So there's, don't try to be too adventurous, at least not at the start of your career. Pick a lane and do something that's fresh within that lane. That would be my advice. Does that make sense? Yes, it does.
0: it does. um I'm curious what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently
1: that you enjoyed uh, um I read the Cloisters by uh Hayes. I think is her the author's name. um The Cloisters was an interesting um novel because it's it's uh, goth it's kind of a gothic uh what they call dark academy dot gothic style. But it was really interesting because it's a behind-the-scenes look at what really goes on in those, in the, in the giant storage rooms and basements of a big museum. <laughs> there was, and there's a, it, it just had elements that were new, like uh, an interesting background in the history of the tarot, which I knew nothing about. So I just found it an interesting read on le- on several levels. I also um, read Deanna Rayburn. Wonderful uh, killers of a certain age, which which I highly recommend. These are four women who have been doing um, well. They've been assassins for the since they're in their twenties, <laughs> only killing bad guys. You know, it was the good assassin. But they're sixty years old now, and they have been retired. And as they are sent off on their retirement cruise, which was uh, paid for by their outgoing by their the firm that just fired them, uh, they suddenly realize that they're not meant to survive the cruise. Somebody doesn't want them talking. So they go back to the old business and they've been doing this a long time and they know what they're doing. It's just a fun read. Yeah, that sounds like
0: a wonderful setup. I'm I'm wondering if there will be a movie or a Netflix series of it.
1: It's made for it. It's really made for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I highly recommend uh,
0: Killers of a Certain Age. That sounds fun. Well, well, great. Um, it's been great talking to you. And again, we've been speaking with bestselling writer Jane Ann Krentz. Her latest novel is Sleep No More. The book is on sale now. So go buy a copy. And Jane, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Absolutely.